0: Hello and good morning, Cry Out family. Listen, before we get into the Word today, I want to invite all of you to our CCF Zoom Community Connection Fellowship. And I know that we all miss each other. This is an opportunity for us to get together on Zoom and just see each other and fellowship. And that's tonight, tonight from 7 to 8 p.m., Uh hosted by Frank and Eva Tello. So please be a part of that so we can see each other, pray for each other, and just fellowship together. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, turn to Esther, Esther chapter 6. We're now in chapter 6 of Esther, Esther chapter 6, and now in part 6 of our series, The Providence and Sovereignty of the Unseen King. Now, in last week's text, chapter 5, the focus was on Esther and her willingness to present herself as a living sacrifice uh, to do the will of God, and she was willing to lay her life on the line to do what was right for her people. So a quick review here. She comes before the king uninvited. Remember that? Uninvited, which could cost her her life, and the only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to her and spare her life. While with great courage, fearless Queen Esther stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. And what happens next was a move of the hand of God. And the text says, "...when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hands, and she touched the tip of the gold scepter." And then the king asked Esther, what is it? What is it? What what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom will be given you. Well, she doesn't want half the kingdom. She she doesn't want any of the kingdom. She just wants the safety and the protection of her people. And in verse 4 of chapter 5, verse 4, she says, Let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. And the king says, well, bring Haman at once. Well, the text says, as they were drinking wine, the king again asked Esther, now what is your petition? It will be given you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. In a response, and the text says this, if the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my requests." Let the king and Haman come tomorrow, come tomorrow to the banquet. I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's request. So the question is, why did Esther request for a second banquet? I mean, was she having second thoughts? Was she losing courage? Was she losing heart to... Was she shrinking in fear? And and no, she was not. This is not fear. This is wisdom. Say wisdom. And don't forget, Esther and all the Jews fasted and prayed for how many days? Three days. You don't think that they heard from God? Of course, they heard from God. And Esther herself heard from God. And she was wise. And Because because she heard from God, she was wise and waited on God. And she realizes there's a sense of timing. Love that. Timing involved here. So she had the wisdom to know that the timing wasn't right. And God, listen now, put it on her heart to wait, to wait one more day. And look at verse 9 of chapter 5. Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. So he's on cloud nine, believing the sky's the limit of his ambitions, and he can't wait for tomorrow's banquet. And what he does, he heads back to his house, and as he heads out, He sees Mordecai, and Mordecai doesn't doesn't even acknowledge Haman at all, and this uh, totally fills Haman with rage towards Mordecai. Well, look at verse 10 of chapter 5. It says, Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself, keyword restrained, restrained himself and went home. So here we see God's hand again by restraining Haman from reacting to Mordecai at that moment. Well, Haman then calls his friends and his wife together and begins to boast And he's filled with pride and with self-confidence. And notice what he says in verse 13 of chapter 5. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew, Mordecai, sitting at the king's gate. Then his friends and his wife tell him to have a gallows built and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hanged on it. Well, this suggestion delighted Haman and he had the gallows built. So this now brings us to today's text, and the title of my message today is Divine Reversal. Say that, Divine Reversal. Uh, Three points from our text. If you're ready, say yes. Come on, say yes. Point number one, point number one is the recognition. Write that down, the recognition. Write that down. Look at verse 1a with me. And it says, that night the king could not sleep. I'm going to read that again. That night, the king could not sleep. Literally, the Hebrew reads, the king's sleep fled away. Now listen, sleeplessness can equal God's providence. And this is the king's divinely appointed insomnia. I love that. And it was God who who kept this king from, from sleeping. And God wanted the king to stay awake because God had something to tell the king. Look at verse 1b. So he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign. So I want to stop there. This was presumably a record of legal decisions of the king's court, of of royal edicts, of battles won, of tributes paid. Literally, stay with me now, literally it was a book of remembrance. Say that, a book of remembrance. So he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him, so the king can't sleep. Right, he can't sleep, and so what he does, he orders his servants to pick out one of the chronicles to read to him, and and they're probably really really boring. So they're so boring that it could put the king back to sleep. So now now now, and I want you to get this: uh, Xerxes is king, right? He's king. Uh, and, and as the king, he had lots of resources, not, not resources, excuse me, sources, lots of sources of entertainment. And he could have easily called one of his concubines from his harem to entertain him or uh, asked the court musicians to play music for him uh, or ask a poet to come in and read him poetry. But instead, he asked for the historical records to be read to him. So was, was, this, was that chance? Was that coincidence? Was it fortune? Nope. It was the providence. Love this. The providence of God. That was all God. Say that. That was all God. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Now, I have a question for you if you're saved. Have you ever experienced God-inspired insomnia? I'm going to say it again. Have you ever experienced God-inspired insomnia? How many times have you not been able to sleep because God wants you to get up and pray? Perhaps pray for a situation you're going through, pray for someone else. And not only that, but He woke you up out of your sleep. You couldn't sleep because He wants you to read His Word because He wants to speak to you. So listen, friends, the next time you're restless and and, and you're you're tossing and turning and you can't sleep, perhaps it's God waking you up to seek His face through prayer and to read His Word, perhaps because He wants to speak to you. Verse 2, verse 2, It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bithana and Teresh, to the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Now, now I want you to think about it. There were thousands of scrolls, thousands of, of chronicles, and and I could just picture the servant as he's making the choice of what chronicle to choose, and, and just kind of just you know saying to himself, this one might be a good one. No, maybe this one. No, you know, maybe this one. And, and you know what? Uh, no, not that one. Uh, you know, I want to choose this one. Yeah, this one looks really boring. And And I'll read this one, this chronicle, this scroll to the king, and hopefully he'll fall right back to sleep. Now, friends, there were other volumes available, but the servant chose this one particular book. And not to mention, he could have opened it to any page, but it was open to the exact page where it tells the story of Mordecai and how he saved the king from being assassinated. Friends, what are the chances, get this now, what are the chances of that happening that the servant goes to that one scroll out of thousands to that one scroll and to that one specific page? You see, it was God. Say it was God. Come on, say it was God. It was God who directed that servant to that very place to pick the chronicle. It was God that directed that servant's hand to turn to that very page. This is providence. at its its finest. And just as God guided the king's hand to stretch out, listen now, his golden scepter to Esther, he guided the servant's hand to choose that chronicle and to turn to that right page of the record of how Mordecai saved the king's life. Great place to say amen. You see, God was, was guiding every hand and every step along the way. Warren Wearsby asked the question, can God direct in the books that people pick up and read? And the answer was yes. And then Warren Wearsby shares an amazing story proving his point. And here's a story. In late February 1916, a British a British excuse me student bought a book at a used bookstall in a railway railway station. And he had looked at the book and rejected it at least a dozen times before. But that day, he purchased the book. It was uh, the Fantaste by George MacDonald, a Scottish author, poet, and Christian minister. And it was the reading of that book that eventually led to that young man's conversion. Do you know what that young man, or excuse me, do you know who that young man was? It was C.S. Lewis who was one of the greatest and most popular apologists for the Christian faith. C.S., listen now, C.S. Lewis didn't pick up the book by hazard. It was God who had directed his choice. Now, I want to point out something. Just as King Xerxes had a book of remembrance, God also has a book of remembrance. Remembrance. Write this down Malachi chapter 3 verse 16 Malachi 3 verse 16 you might remember this from our series in the book of Malachi Malachi 3:16 says this then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard a scroll listen to what it says a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his Name. I'm going to read that again. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Now, friends, the idea of God keeping a written record appears as early as the book of Exodus. Exodus 32, 32 says, But now please forgive their sin, Exodus chapter 32, verse 32. But now please forgive their sin, but if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. And perhaps the most beautiful expression of this is in Isaiah 49, 16. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16. It says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Now listen, a scroll of remembrance is a figure taken from the culture of that day and kings kept a register of everyone who was loyal to the throne. Now, I want to say this. God doesn't need to look in a book to remember you. Got it? God doesn't need, listen now, to look in a book to remember you. The only thing that God forgets about you is your sin. But he does keep a book of the names listen now of the names of those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and they are forever etched into the lamb's book of life revelation 2012 again revelation 2012 so that being said question is your name written into the lamb's book of life is it and friends the only way that it is is for you to have trusted Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your personal lord and Savior, I'm and going to give you that opportunity at the end of this message. Verse 3a, we're now in verse 3. Verse 3a, what honor and recognition, there's that word recognition, has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. So the king obviously becomes aware of his failure to reward Mordecai. He, you know, he's got to fix this, right? He, he's got to fix this. He's He's got to make this thing right. And this guy Mordecai saved my life, the king's saying. I mean, what did we ever do for this guy? It's, is it recorded there in the chronicles, in the scrolls? Tell me. Well, look at verse 3b. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. And friends, you know what? It was very unusual for a worthy service not to be rewarded. And that was an embarrassment to the king, and it needed to be rectified immediately. And you see, all thought of sleep is gone now, and something must be done, and it must be done immediately. Now, think about it. Had Mordecai, and you got to get this, had Mordecai been recognized and rewarded five years earlier, the events of this critical day could not have happened. And you see, God was in charge, and he already had this day, this day selected for Mordecai to be rewarded and to be honored. Okay, got it? Now listen, for five years, for five years, Mordecai had not been rewarded nor recognized for what he had done. He saved the king's life. But I want to say this, God's delays— the sin now are not denials. God's delays are not denials. God is in charge of schedules. Write that down. God is in charge of schedules, and what comes to mind is Joseph. And I mentioned Joseph uh, back in uh, part three of this series, and you know the story after befri- befri- befriending, excuse me, befriending a Pharaoh's butler. Joseph thought that this would lead to his release from prison. And you know the story, right? Joseph had to wait two more years, two more years to be released from prison, which then, as he was released, then he, what, interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and then became second in command to Pharaoh. Now, I want to say this. Joseph spent more time in the palace than he did in the prison. Amen? He spent more time in the palace that he did in the prison. Listen, God is in charge of schedules. Now, I want you to follow me here. God had a specific day selected for the Jews to leave Egypt. And also, God had a specific time scheduled for the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to write this down Galatians 4 4. Galatians 4 4. And Paul writes, But when the set time, love this, when the set time had fully come, the set time, the right time, had fully come, God sent His Son. So it was the perfect time. God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. So it was the right time and the right person. Listen, the right time, listen, excuse me, the time, the time was right religiously. Say that. The time was right religiously. Jews, for the most part, uh, they had turned away from idolatry. So it was the time was right religiously, but also the time was right culturally. The time was right culturally. Greek culture and language was common throughout the world. And also the time was right politically. The time was right politically. The Roman law was in place. God's timing is perfect. Say that. God's timing is perfect. God is in charge of schedules. Good place to say amen. So point number one is the recognition. Point number two is the recommendation. Write that down, the recommendation. Write that down. Number two is the recommendation, and we're going to look at verse four. Verse four, if you're still with me, say amen. Verse four, the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows he had erected for him. So the king's heart, after, listen now, that sleepless night was Burdened with impatient uh, desire to honor Mordecai, right? Hey, we, we got to do something fast, I and mean, we we got to we got to reward this guy like 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 now, like fast, like now. And Haman, on the other hand, was equally impatient as he was at the king's court, bright and early in the morning, to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had built. Now, now, can't listen? Can't you? See here, can't you see here the amazing workings of God's providence? I mean, it's right there. And God has set up the king and God has set up Haman. Do do you see that God is, listen, God is timing everything, everything so perfectly. That's our God. I love that. Look at verse five. Look at verse five. His attendants answered, Haman, say Haman, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. So Haman's like, all right, all right, I'm coming in to the king to see him and going to get permission from the king to hang Mordecai. So he strolls right on in, confident that his plan will succeed. I want you to follow me here, okay, and stay with me here now. Behind the scenes, again, behind the scenes, God gave the king insomnia, right? Then God led the servant to the record about Mordecai and how he saved the king, right? And had Haman arrive at just the right time. It was no coincidence, listen now, that Haman entered the outer court of the palace at that moment to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows. No coincidence, Say that. No coincidence that he's standing Mordecai at the court at just that moment. It's it was no coincidence that the king wanted to honor, listen now, Mordecai, Mordecai at just that moment. That's divine providence. And friends, this is a reminder, say reminder. A reminder that God knows what he's doing and that, listen, now. I love this, and that in the courts of heaven, in the courts of heaven, there are no coincidences or surprises. God has orchestrated the timing perfectly, perfectly. It's a reminder to us that God does work all things according to the counsel of His own will, Ephesians 1, 11. Ephesians 1, 11. It's a reminder that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose, Romans 8, 28. Again, Romans eight twenty eight. Now, interesting that while God was doing all of this behind the scenes, Esther Mordecai and all the Jews had no clue that this was going on. Psalm 121 4. Write that down. Psalm 121 verse 4 says this. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Did you get that? I'm gonna read that again. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God was working behind the scenes on their behalf. So, there's a lesson here. And what's the lesson? Here's the lesson. God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. Today, God is still working behind the scenes And hey, listen now, when you're asleep, God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. When you're awake, God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. When you're struggling, God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. When when things look bleak, God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. When it seems like Satan and your enemies and this world is getting over, God is working behind the scenes on your behalf when you feel like giving up. Don't give up. Why? Because God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. In the midst of COVID-19, God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. And he's working and he's moving while you're awake. And he's working and he's moving while you're asleep. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. He's working and moving on your behalf. Good places say amen. love that. Verses 6 through 9. Verses 6 through 9. And and by the way, things are about to get real, really fast here. Verse 6, when Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? Now, I can picture Haman, oh, stop it, king. You know, you're too much. You know, you're just too much, you know. Oh, well, let me tell you what should be done for the man or the king delights in. And I'm glad you asked me, king. And here's what I would do. Look at verse 7. So he answered the king. And notice, notice, notice Haman gets very detailed. Got that? He gets very detailed because he's envisioning himself with this honor, and he's wondering about how he would want to be honored by the king. Let's read on. Uh, For the man the king delights to honor, verse 8, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. Now I want to stop there because this is not referring to a crown on the honoree's head, but on the horse's head. This horse is sporting a royal diadem on his head. If you got it. Say, so got it. Verse nine. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princess. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor, and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, "This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor." And as Haman's As he's saying all of this, I believe he sees himself wearing one of the robes the king has worn and on a horse the king has ridden and being led through the streets as the man the king delights to honor. And you know what? Here's a a, a window into Haman's heart. And what he's doing, he's revealing what's in his heart. He's desiring the honor and the glory of the throne himself. And you see, the fact that he proposed this tells us that he really thought that he himself would be the favored one, the one to be honored. And so he's thinking to himself, that would be so awesome to be honored in that way. And you see, the the proud and self-confident heart always thinks like Haman, that nothing so much deserves honor as itself. Now I want you to keep in mind that Haman at this point is still thinking that he's gonna get the king to approve that Mordecai be hung on the gallows. And he's probably thinking I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Mordecai on the gallows and I'm gonna wear the robe the king has worn and get on the horse the king has ridden and be honored and paraded through the city streets. Well, that's what Haman's thinking, but guess what? Haman gets one rude awakening. Look at verse 10, verse 10. And and, and here's, listen now, here's what we call and see as a divine reversal. Say that, divine reversal. Verse 10, go at once, the king commanded Haman. In other words, right now, don't go home, don't don't have breakfast, do it now, the king's saying. So go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested. Now wait for it. Okay, wait for it. Wait for it. Just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew. Did you get that? Who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So the king simply says, great idea. Uh, Haman, uh, do all of that. Go and do just as uh, you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew. Now, can you imagine Haman's face? Just think about that. Can you imagine uh, his face, his countenance? I mean, I, I wish I was a fly on the wall to see the Expression on his face, and friends, you know, if you could post his expression on social media, it would go viral. It would go viral. Now, I want you to, to write down these, these verses, they, they, they tie in so well with this point right now in terms of divine reversal. Proverbs 11 8, Proverbs 11 8, Proverbs 11, verse 8 says, The righteous person is rescued from trouble, and it falls on the wicked instead. Read that again. The righteous person is rescued from trouble, and it falls on the wicked instead. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. i want to read that again. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. So the first part of that verse implies to Haman, before a downfall, the heart is haughty. And the last part of that verse applies to Mordecai, but humility comes before honor. Did you get that? Proverbs 29, 23. Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. Again, pride, Proverbs 29, 23. Pride brings a person low, comma, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. So question, on which side of the comma do you live? Huh? Hmm? Is there pride in your heart? Huh? Are you lowly in spirit? And Haman's probably thinking, you know what? It's probably not a good time or idea to bring up to the king that I want the guy that he wants to honor hung on the gallows. Probably not a good thing. And I want to tell you, friends, Haman hated Mordecai so much so that he got up early that morning to ask for his enemy's life. And Haman loved Haman so much so he loved himself so much so that he was blinded to the fact that there could be anyone else in the entire kingdom who deserved being honored by the king beside himself. The recognition, the recommendation, and the third point is the humiliation. Write that down, the Humiliation. It doesn't start with an R, okay? But it does rhyme. The humiliation. Write that down. And let's look at verse 11. Verse 11. If you're still with me? Say amen. Aren't you loving this? Verse 11. So Haman got the robe and the horse. He robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, This is what... What is done for the man the king delights to honor? So notice Haman goes from being honored back in chapter 3, verse 1, to being humiliated here in the text. How humiliating for Haman. I want you to think think about it. He had to dress Mordecai. Put the king's robe on, Mordecai. Mount him on the horse that the king has ridden. And then parade him throughout the city. And and I especially would have loved to hear Haman proclaim, and he probably was mumbling, I don't know, maybe he wasn't. This is what is done to the man the king delights to honor. I don't think he was mumbling, maybe he was, I don't know, but... He had to say that. Ironic. You know what's ironic? The very man trying to hang Mordecai must now honor Mordecai. Listen, God exalts the humble. I'm going to say it again. God exalts the humble. That's Mordecai. And humbles the exalted. That's Haman. As for Mordecai, he saw Proverbs 27.2, Proverbs 27, verse 2, live out before his eyes, and it says this, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. It goes to show you, friends, listen now, you can seek recognition or recognition can seek you. I'm going to say it again. You can seek recognition, or listen, or you can let recognition seek you. Got it? And I want to tell you, never forget, God has your address. And whenever God wants to re- recognize you, He'll recognize you. Don't go seeking for it. He'll recognize you. Now, I want us to, to notice something that, that we don't see very often. In fact, it can easily be overlooked. And I want you to look at verse 12a with me. Verse 12a. This is an amazing portion of Scripture here in Esther. Verse 12a. Afterward, Mordecai, listen what it says, returned to the king's gate. Did you get that? Did you get that? Listen, let's let's look at this. Mordecai is exalted, right? He's wearing the king's, one one of the robes the king has worn, and then he's, he's riding on one of the horses the king has ridden. So he's exalted, he's honored, he's being paraded throughout the city. And then, after that, he goes right back to working at the king's gate. Mordecai is not looking for, listen now, a promotion. And there's no sense of entitlement. He's humble and just goes back to his normal job. Isn't that awesome? So, so that, that brings us to a lesson. And what's the lesson? Here's the lesson. Applause, get this now, applause doesn't change truly humble people. Applause doesn't change truly humble people. Why? Because their values are far deeper. Their values are far deeper. Get this. God can trust His blessings. God can trust His blessings with the humble because they seek to honor only God. I love that. So faithful, reliable, humble, Mordecai is back where he's always been, at the king's gate, while Haman is home sulking. Verse 12b, But Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief. Now, the King James renders it like this. Haman hasted to his house mourning. Say that. Mourning and having his head covered. Now, interesting. In chapter 4, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, Mordecai was wailing Grieving loudly and bitterly. And in verse 3 of chapter 4, it says, There was great mourning among the Jews. Remember that? Great mourning among the Jews. And here in the text, we see Haman hasted to his house mourning. Covered in grief. So the tables are now, what? Turned. Divine reversal. Listen, Haman felt so low, I think he slid under the front door when he got home. And he went, listen now, from a proud peacock with tail feather extensions to a whipped dog with his tail between his legs. From boasting of his greatness to now confessing how he had been humiliated. Verse 13, if you're still with me, say amen. So Haman goes home and told Zerish me his wife and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his advisers, and his wife Zerish said to him, listen what they said, since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, so they're pretty much I mean I could say they're It sounds like Proverbs 16, 18, right? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, right? So, since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. And listen what they say to Haman you will surely come to ruin. Haman's wife says, O husband, that changes everything, and I hate to tell you, but you're going down. You're going down. And perhaps his wife and perhaps his advisors were familiar with God's covenant with Abraham, Genesis 12:3, Genesis 12:3, where it says, "I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you." Or maybe they just knew Jewish history. We don't know. but they said, "You're going down. You're going down. Well, even after a rude awakening from providence and a a radical warning from his wife and his advisors, there was still no repentance or, or turning back. And God was warning Haman. God was warning Haman. But he would not heed to the warning. Verse 14. Verse 14. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried Haman away to the banquet Esther had prepared. So I would picture that Haman's kind of like, oh, that's today? The banquet's today? I mean, you know, I've had a horrible morning already and a rough day already. I really don't have an appetite right now to eat. And you know, um, sh- you know, I, I just got done parading Mordecai around the city. And you know, thank you for the invitation, but can we reschedule? Nope. Not gonna reschedule. They took him away to the banquet, off him and went with the eunuchs to his last meal. So things are about to go from bad to unthinkable in terms about what's going to happen at this banquet. Haman found out some things aren't always what they seem. Haman found out all things work together for bad to those who don't love God, to those who are not called according to His purpose. Haman found out pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's what Haman found out. What did we find out? Throughout this message, what did we find out? Well, we found out that God is working and God is moving behind the scenes on your behalf and on my behalf. Somebody please say amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together in your word. And Father, what a great encouragement we have knowing that you're working all things according to the counsel of your own will and that you're working all things together for the good of those of us who love you and are called according to your purpose. That regardless, Lord, of our circumstance, struggle, or or heartache, whether we're awake or asleep, You're working, Lord, and you're moving on our behalf. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. Now listen, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, into your life, to be your personal Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity right now to do so. Romans 10.9. Romans 10.9 says that if we or if you confess your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, not might, you will be saved. So if you want to, listen now, give your life to Jesus right now. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and to save me, to cleanse me of all of my sins, and to change my life. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, and believe within my heart that God raised you from the dead. I am saved, sealed, sanctified, satisfied, justified, purchased by the blood of Jesus. I am born again. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me today. And I will live for you faithfully from this day forth until you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we would love to hear from you. In fact, you can email us at, at org. Again, contact at cryout. Dot org. Love to hear from you if you made that decision. So listen, God bless you all. I hope you enjoyed the message. Uh, continue to read your word, pray, and know that God's in control and that He's working behind the scenes. Love you all, miss you, and God bless.